As Simon, it is our pleasure to hear what God is going to say to us this morning through you. And I know you've been really excited about this message. Mm. So we're excited for you too. Thank you. Thank Enjoy. You. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, there's, a, there's a bloke on the internet. Um, it's called NASA. I'm not sure if that's his first name or his second name, but he's got a really awesome telescope. <laughs> and he takes really awesome pictures. And this is one he took of a globular cluster somewhere towards the middle of the Milky Way. Now, a globular cluster from here, if you've got a pair of binoculars or a telescope, looks like a, a little cluster of stars, a little shiny ball of stars. But if you look right into the middle of it, it looks like that. Isn't it beautiful? Now, I want you to imagine that this picture represents everything that you can possibly know about God, which is ridiculous, of course, but just go with me. Let's just imagine it. Everything that you can possibly know about God is, in that, is represented by that picture. There's absolutely nothing else, nothing new that you could know or learn or discover about God other than what's in that picture. Now, if you were to draw a circle on that picture representing what you know of God, <laughs> how big would that circle be? <laughs> you can always know God more. There is always more to experience of him and to discover about him and to marvel in him. And that's why living faith always has a growing edge. It's hungry to know God more. It reaches out beyond the core of what it already knows in order to know God more. That little circle wants to grow. The question is, what's happening at that growing edge? What is the process of getting to know God more? How does it happen? How can we add to the core of our faith? Let me tell you a little story. The aging Kalahari Bushman had on his bucket list ice fishing. And as there was no ice in the Kalahari Desert, he took a plane to Canada and found himself standing at the edge of a... I'm just going to move that over here a bit. Found himself standing at the edge of... And, in fact, I'm going to get rid of that. <laughs> of an ice-covered lake. And as he stood there with his fishing rod at the edge of the lake, he looked at the ice and he hesitated. And as he hesitated, he heard in the distance the rumbling sound of a 5.7-litre V8 Dodge Ram approaching. <laughs> Much to his surprise, as the truck approached the lake, it did not slow down, but continued out onto the ice, right out into the middle of the lake, where the driver, let's call him Dodgy, <laughs> got, got out of his truck, drilled a hole in the ice, and began to fish. Now, Aside from their carbon footprint, which was arguably similar, what was the difference between and dodgy? 
What was, what was it that Dodgy, why was it that Dodgy trusted the ice, whereas <clears throat> didn't? Hang on a minute. I'm just... Yes, <laughs> that. <laughs> yes, that's right. Dodgy trusted the ice because he knew the ice. He'd walked on it before. He drove his, his mother-in-law's Mazda Demio out onto the ice. <laughs> and eventually he tested the ice with his Dodge Ram and found that it was solid. <sighs> on the other hand... On the other hand, did not know the ice. He hoped the ice would hold him. He knew in theory that most probably the ice would hold him, but he had not yet experienced it for himself. He was, in regards to ice fishing, still at his growing edge. And this story illustrates faith. Faith is knowing God, and the more we know God, the more we trust him. But in order to know him more, we first have to step out beyond the solid edge of what we already know of God um, and out into the, the ice of what we, what we know in our heads to be true about God but have not yet experienced for ourselves. Yeah. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. You don't hope for something that is already in your possession. You hope for something that you believe is coming, even though you cannot yet see it. Being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see means trusting in God even though you can't see how things could possibly work out for good. Because you believe that God is good and He is trustworthy. Here's what I believe. Every situation, every life situation is an opportunity to know God more and to unlock a different aspect of his character. Let's turn to Luke chapter 7. I know you thought that I was preaching on Matthew, but this is the parallel passage in Luke, and I'm going to use this because it just um, includes a few more details that I really want to draw out. So let's turn to Luke Chapter 7, verse 1. It's not going to be on the screen, so you'll have to dig out your own sword. Rightio. Now, my Bible adds the title, The Centurion's Faith. And in case you don't know, a, a, a centurion is a Roman captain of a squad of 100 soldiers. When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant whom his master highly valued, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to ask him, uh, sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house 
when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Now, I don't know about you, but I find myself liking this, this bloke, this centurion. He's not a Jew, he's a Gentile. And worse than that, he's one of the Roman occupying force. Uh, he probably wasn't born into the Jewish faith in If that's the case, it means that he was drawn to it. Something drew him to want to know God and to reach out um, to God from a faith that had not been his own. Which means that he obviously had a soft heart towards God. He was hungry. You know God likes feeding the hungry? He even spent money on a, on a synagogue in his local area, a place to meet and worship. So even though from a Jew's point of view, he could be regarded as the enemy, he is clearly well respected by the local Jewish elders who were prepared to go to Jesus on his behalf and to plead earnestly uh, his case. Why did he ask them to go? I think there were two reasons. As well as being hungry, he was also humble. He measured his position not in regards to his position, but in regards to God. And secondly, he probably thought that Jesus was more likely to respond to the Jewish elders coming to him with this request than a Roman Gentile soldier. There's a little detail in the story which I'm going to dig into. Um, first, the Cherian sent the Jewish elders to ask Jesus to come to his house. He had no idea whether Jesus would come or not. But then he sent friends to say, actually, no, don't come to my house. I don't deserve to have you come. Just give the word and my servant will be healed. And my question is this, what happened in that gap? What happened in that gap between when he sent the first guys and when he sent the second guys to say, no, hang on, there was a a pause. Pauses are good, aren't they? Well, I want to ask you the question, what does a man with a soft heart towards towards God do in a moment of, of great need? of crisis. I think he does the most natural thing in the world, and that is he prays. And I think that's exactly what he was doing. And I think that as he was praying, he opened his heart to God to pour out his need. And that as he opened himself to God, God opened himself to him, to the centurion, and just revealed some of his heart 
some of his holiness. It's, it's intimacy, intimacy. You know, I remember being in a conference at this church um, many years ago. Um, the church was running it, and Murray Robertson was speaking at that moment about leadership. And um, God was speaking to me about something completely different. It was almost like as I was sitting there, all the dregs of my life was sort of floating to the top. You know, I felt just conceited. And I didn't even know where this was coming from. It wasn't coming from the preacher. But somehow God was just opening his heart to me. And as I, as I could kind of get a sense of God's holiness, you know, um, well, you know, when the light of God's holiness shines into all your dusty corners, you know, there comes a sudden desire to clean the house. And I remember when, as soon as he'd finished, there was an opportunity for prayer. I remember clambering over the seats, and Paul, you came, I was bawling my eyes out. Paul, you came up to me and you said, Simon, I've never seen you like this before. <laughs> it was, I think that's what was happening to the, I, I suspect that that might have been something like what was happening to the centurion in that moment as he opened his heart to God and prayed that God revealed himself to him, and he suddenly felt unworthy, and I can't invite Jesus to my house. What, what am I doing? And yet in the midst of that holy moment, God gave him a revelation, um, a thought. I don't need to have Jesus come to my house. He can just give the word. And the whole kind of um, thing about authority um, comes into his mind because he's a soldier and he understands how authority works. Um, and also about how submission works, because submission and authority intimately go together. Um, just as his highly valued servant willingly submitted to, the, to him, the centurion, the centurion decided that he would willingly submit his predicament to Jesus, which he did. And in turn... The servant's sickness submitted to the authority of Jesus, and he was healed. So, kind of in this, in this moment, I guess what's happening is that the, the centurion is stepping off the solid ground of what he knows about God into, um, onto the ice, really, of this, this new idea, this new faith, this growing edge. And... Shortly afterwards, I don't know how long it took, maybe it was within the hour, his servant just became well. Before the other guys even got back home, he was well. Can you imagine what that did to his faith? He stepped out and it worked. The ice was solid. You know, he can trust God. But just remind yourself, how did, how did that start? How did that that new revelation and that new discovery about God come, it started with a crisis. It started in the midst of, um, of a crisis of great need. This is where our faith grows. As we reach out to God and, to, and, and ask Him for help. It's at that growing edge of our faith that we get to know God more and experience new aspects of His character. Do you know that even Jesus had a growing edge? Many things um, Jesus experienced on earth as a human, he had never experienced in heaven, in, in glory. You know, 
He had never experienced the suffering and he experienced all sorts of things, hunger, loneliness, um, rejection. Um, Those were all new things to him. It's quite interesting to look at Psalm 22. Um, it's, Psalm 22 is, in, is a parallel of, of the crucifixion account in Matthew. It's almost exactly the same, except it's written, through, written by David, I think, um, speaking prophetically. And, in, and so it's Jesus' first-hand account of, of what it was like being on the cross. And do you know what he calls his father? My strength. What does he say? He says, but you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. That word strength, that can also mean my help. It was in weakness that Jesus could now experience his father as his strength. Possibly for the first time like that. It's quite fascinating to think about that. You know, the the writer of the book of Hebrews says that Jesus was made perfect or made complete in suffering. You might think, wasn't Jesus already perfect? And yet the experience of reaching out to his father in the midst of suffering somehow completed something that was not yet complete. And it's exactly the same for us. Difficult situations in particular are opportunities for us to know God more completely and to to complete uh, our knowledge of him. Uh, For example... You can know from the book of John that that God is our comforter. But it's not until you find yourself in the midst of grief and you reach out to God that you can actually experience him as your comforter. And your faith, your knowledge of God grows. It's gone from theory to experiential knowledge. It's like the core of of your faith has gone out by one layer. It's when you're in need in need that you discover God as your provider. Not when you're rich, but when you're in need. It's in weakness that you learn to call him my strength. It's in the battle that you find victory in God. You know, nobody ever emerged victorious from a picnic. <laughs> you emerge victorious from a battle. So if you want to be victorious in God, expect to be fighting in a battle. It's in weariness that you learn to enjoy his rest. It's in despair that God becomes your hope. It's in turmoil that you can practice resting in his peace. When danger comes, it's then that you discover God as your protector. It's in pain that you discover God as your healer. It's in darkness when you learn to walk in his light, in adversity then he becomes your welcome refuge. And it's in loneliness that you can build a friendship with an ever-present friend. You know, all these experiences, do you see they're the growing edge of our faith? And as we, um, as we go through those, each of those experiences is like a doorway that's, that enables us to step into a greater knowledge of God. I'd like to share a couple of stories um, from my own 
from my own life. I'm mindful that they're just, they're just small things probably and that some people ha uh, have experienced very great trauma in their life. And, um, you know, I talk to a lot of people at my, in my job as a GP who just, life is just really, really hard for them. And you just feel so sorry for their predicament. So, um, anyway, I, I offer my, my small testimonies um, and hope that the, the principle will, will still apply even to those who have faced greater difficulties. Um, I spent 14 years leading the children's ministry in this church, seven of those with my wife, Leanna, and I was born for that job. I loved it. We had a wonderful team, and... Um, I loved coming up with creative ideas and talks and crazy things, and I loved giving kids opportunities to be able to develop their own gifts and talents, and some of them are still here today, some of them are leaders in our church. <laughs> but you know what, 12, 12 and a half years into that 14 years, I was, I was tired. You know, when you go tramping, um, it's, it's, like, it's a great journey, but when you're getting towards the end... You know, your feet are sore, and you just want to take that heavy pack off your back and sit down. And that's what I felt like. I really wanted, I just, I was tired. And um, I, I looked at the team, and I, I thought I'd love to finish at the end of this year, but, but I just knew that the team actually wasn't quite in a place where they would be ready for me to finish, and that I would have to do another year beyond that. So I girded my loins, and... Uh, I continued into, um, into the rest of that year and in, in, in the year ahead. But that year was hard. And there were times when I would sit down to prepare uh, for, the, for the following Sunday, and uh, it was like a black cloud had just descended on me. I don't know if you've ever had that experience in your own life. It was just like a black cloud, and I just, oh, I just couldn't face it. And I just, it was just... And... Um, and I'd just reach out to God and say, Lord, I can't do this. I just, I just can't do this. This is too hard. But somehow he'd give me the strength and, and I'd, I'd give birth to an idea and I'd come up with a talk or I'd figure out what was going to happen and we'd get to the Sunday and we'd do it and, and I'd think, wow, that was actually really good. You know, that was great. Thank you, Lord. But then the next time, back would come that dark cloud. And you know, this, this happened a lot over the course of that year. But what I, what I learned in that year is I learned that God is my strength, you know? I can trust God when I'm on zero to provide me the strength to do what I need to do. And God became my strength, you know? A layer was added on to my faith, my knowledge of God, that I trust God, I believe God, and I know that God is going to Help me, and, and this will, we'll get through this, you know, I know. And so, yeah, that was, um, that was a good year. I didn't enjoy those times, but I came out with a stronger faith in God. And I can now say, he is my strength. That is in my core. And I finished well. And I felt like I was on holiday Ever since, ever since, basically, because that's what it's like when you finish doing children's ministry and you don't have to do something on a Sunday morning anymore. 
Boy, it's just like you feel like you're floating. <laughs> it is like the end of a tramp where you take your pack off and you sort of feel like you're on the moon, you know. <laughs> and this went on for years, right up until um, this year. Okay, so that brings me to story number two. Now, sometimes God puts something on my heart that he wants me to learn. I just get this urge to want to know about something. And um, throughout last year, I found myself hungry to understand more about the principle of the Sabbath. And I'd ask God, Lord, will you teach me more about the Sabbath and what, what, what the Sabbath means? What, what's the principle of the Sabbath? I want to understand this. And he has been teaching me a lot. And I'm still learning, and I'm still really hungry. But so far, I have this little treasure, this um, key. Um, and that is that, yeah, the key to joining in God. Sorry, I'll say that again. The key to joining God in his Sabbath rest is submission. It's in submission that we find rest. And... With that treasure safely deposited in my, in my head, God gave me 2022, the best ever opportunity to practice resting in Him. For a number of reasons, not just because of COVID, but other things too, 2022 has been the busiest year ever in my medical, in my career as a GP. Um, I've often felt like a small glass into which somebody is trying to pour a large jug of water. <laughs> there have been times when I've woken up in the morning thinking, oh, I wish I didn't have to go to work today. Or, I wish I didn't have to go to work this year. <laughs> really. <laughs> and, and quite frequently, this is still going, quite frequently I find myself feeling tired. Um, but what I find remarkable as I look back over the year, uh, since March when all this started, uh, is that despite being kind of overwhelmed with stuff to do, I really haven't felt, apart from the odd moment, I really haven't felt stressed. I've actually felt relaxed. Um, and I've actually been deliberately submitting everything to God as I went along, and just imagining myself resting in his hands, this is my Sabbath thing, you know, just imagine myself leaning back in his, in his big hands and just trusting him with stuff and just, just resting. It's his Sabbath, and he invites me to join him in it, so I choose to rest in his hands. And um, yes, as I said, as I've done that, I've really felt a pervading sense of peace. And I've discovered that the quiet place with God isn't just a place that you go to. It's a place that you can take with you into the busyness of life. I don't think I would have learned that in a normal year. But 2022 has turned out to be not just a part of, a part of my prayer to God to teach me more about the Sabbath, but also an opportunity to know God as my resting place. Not just know about it in my head, know, know that he can do that, but actually to experience it. My core, my faith, the core of my faith has grown, and that time of, um, this time of being overwhelmed with stuff to do has been the growing edge of my faith. 
Do you remember Willy Wonka's gobstocker, stopper, where um, every layer of the gobstopper was a different flavour? Not quite sure what it was. I think it was like mushroom soup as the first course, and then you go into like pork and potatoes and Brussels sprouts, and then you go into blueberry pie. But each layer of the of the gobstopper was a different flavour. Um, and I feel like that's a really wonderful illustration for our faith. Every life situation that we go through as we press into God and experience a different aspect of his character for ourselves is like another layer added to our core. And each of those layers has a different flavor. For me, this somehow changes my whole expectation of what my life should contain and the value that I place on my different experiences. You know, the band can come actually, we're approaching the end, thanks guys. My natural inclination is really to want a life that's easy and enjoyable and I want everything to go well, I want, I want my kids to be doing well, I just want it to be really nice. But to really know God more and all the different facets of his character, it would be much better to select the package that contains a good variety of challenges and traumas and opportunities to grow, wouldn't it? It's kind of hard to choose that package. Most of us don't like all that stuff. And so it's fortunate that we actually don't get a choice of what's going to come to us in our life. We don't get to choose. But what we can choose is how we're going to think about the things that come our way and how we're going to respond not as victims, but as children walking with our God. Living faith always has a growing edge. You can play if you like. You know, in heaven, we won't have the opportunity to know God in the midst of struggle because we won't have any struggle. (laughs) That opportunity to know God in that way is now. So let's not waste it. Let's not waste all that pain, all those difficulties, all those challenges. Let's press into God and let them be an opportunity to know God more. And then as we go into eternity, all these layers that we take with us, it will be so wonderful. going to put up just a little um, prayer up here, and we're going to finish, um, finish with this. It's kind of like a, a declaration, because I think that if we're going to be children of God and not feel like we're constantly under attack because stuff's happening to us, but actually seize all these opportunities and see them for what they are, opportunities to draw close to God, then we've got to think differently. We do, we've got to think differently. And so this, this kind of is a little declaration which says, I'm not going to be a victim of my circumstances. I'm not going to be dismayed or perplexed at what's happening. Instead, I commit myself into your hands and I might rest in your love. 
and grow in my faith and know you more deeply through every experience of my life. I'm going to ask if you'd like to just stand up with me and just, um, just say this prayer with me as a declaration, if you would like to. Lord, I submit myself to you. I am not a victim of my circumstances, and I will not be dismayed or perplexed at the events of my life. Instead, I commit myself into your hands that I might rest in your love and grow in my faith and know you more deeply through every life experience. Some of you may like some prayer. You know, it's really good to be able to strengthen each other in our faith. And this time of prayer at the front, if, if you would like, if you're going through a hard time and you would just like somebody to come along and support you and pray with you and strengthen you, help you to strengthen yourself and your faith, then please feel free to come forward. Maybe it's not a hard thing. Maybe it's an exciting thing or it's a new challenge, but you'd, you'd like to commit that to the Lord then feel free to come forward uh, into our time of ministry afterwards. And there may be those of you who, you know, your core, it's not been growing for a while. The growing edge has grown a little bit, you know, stationary. And if you'd like to kind of freshly commit yourself to, to refresh your faith, to refresh your hunger for God, that you really want to know him more, then why don't you also come forward and we would love to just <clears throat> pray for you and support you as you <clears throat> make that fresh commitment to God. And maybe there are some who don't know God at all. You're still on that journey. Um, love to talk to you some more as well. Thank you. Let's sing, so are you.